everyone and welcome to the Pet Accountant Podcast with me, your host, Vicky Clark. I'm going to help you get to grips with your finances, save you lots of money and take the stress out of doing your tax return. So let's get going. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to this week's uh, Wind Down Wednesday. Um, it is at a slightly earlier time of two o'clock. Um, just because um, it's, it's obviously very busy for accountants in December and January with the tax deadline of the 31st of January. So we thought we'd come on a bit earlier today and uh, do something a bit different. Um, we're going to be talking about property rentals. Um, you might think of why if we were talking about property rentals, but we do have quite a few clients that have holiday lets. Uh, they rent out houses, flats. Um, and that in itself is just as complex as doing your normal standard account. So um, I'll be honest, it's not my strong point. Um, and I had one um, a couple of days ago where I had to ring me and be like, what about this, what about that? Um, which is what then led to us going, hmm, maybe we should do a live about it. And Lee has a very good analogy um, that will help explain uh, in a, a lot easier way of what can be put through and what can't. So if you do have a rental, if you've got a holiday let, if you're thinking about going into getting properties and things like that, then obviously this is what you need to listen to. Um, before we do go into that, and I start quizzingly because like I said, this is not my forte whatsoever. Um, if you are a client of ours and you're listening and you haven't sent us your paperwork, please, please, please call us if you're worried or, or send us your paperwork because um, we break up on the 22nd, the 23rd? 21st. 21st of December, and then we're not back until the 2nd of Jan. So again, you know, that's a good 10 10 days, 12 days, uh, where we're not going to be in the office and we will not be doing self-assessments, and then we've only got till the 31st January. So please get your stuff in. If you are doing it yourself, then guys, please remember that you've got to submit and pay your tax return by the 31st of January next year. Um, and just remember those payments on account. Uh, if you don't know what payments on account are, then just pop um, and comment in, pop a comment in the comments, pop a question in the comments, uh, and we'll come back to it. If you do have any other random questions that you want us to go through, uh, whilst you've got us here today for the next sort of half an hour, then by all means, pop your questions in the comments. If you're doing your own tax return and need help with something, as long as it's not vans or cars. Um, if it is, we're going to direct you to last week's live where we went through that because uh, it's very complicated. But any other questions you've got, even if it's not on the topic of properties, then just please pop them in the comments. And as always, we will go through them um, at the end. And also, actually, just one more thing. Um, do go and subscribe to our podcast, which is the Pet Accountant Podcast, which you can get on all the platforms uh, and on Spotify, because there was a lady that was asking about expenses in Bill's group, um, and Bill very kindly tagged all our um, podcasts in, and she said it really, really helped out with her tax return, um, and also said we we're very entertaining, so there we go. Must have been a fun one, that yeah. day. We just get to the work so with an energy board. Oh, yeah, exactly. Bless her. Um, but, if, you know, go back and use those resources um, because, uh, you know, it'll help you do your tax return. Um, does my pay when needs to be with the end of Jan? 
Uh, Pat, you're giving me palpitations. <laughs> no, Pat, I think we've done yours already. I'm pretty sure we've done yours already, but I will double check what's Lee's uh, gassing uh, in a minute. I'll go and have a quick look. Um, but right, so let's get on to it with properties then. Oh, God, where do we start? I mean, house lets, holiday lets, where, where do you want to start? Right, okay. Um, first of all, there's a very big difference between a rental property of the landlord and a furnished holiday let. So today we'll probably just be talking about a landlord house to rent rather than holiday accommodation because the rules around that are are mind-boggling. There's all down the number of days that it's dipped, let out and what you can claim is completely different to what you can claim as a, as a landlord. Now, I say landlord. Um, if you have one property, you are classed as a landlord. Um, and you are running a property business. Um, obviously, as things develop, you may get more and more properties. Uh, but for the majority of our clients, it usually is just the the, the one property, um, a second home. Um, so I'm going to start off by saying that there's allowable expenses and there's expenses which aren't necessarily allowable, but they can offset the tax paid when you come to sell the house. Um, and it's the distinguishing between um, when the expense is allowable and when it has to be put to one side and kept until you come to sell the property. Uh, so if you buy a property and you have to do work to it in order to um, bring it up to a rentable standard, any work that you do to that property to bring it up to that standard before your tenant goes in is not allowable as a business expense. So you can't offset that against your taxes. Those expenses you keep and they go with the property so that when you sell the property, they are used at that stage to reduce the profit that you would pay on the sale of the property. Now you might be saying, well, it's a repair and a maintenance. I have to upkeep the house. What's the difference? The difference is, is once you start renting the property and you've got somebody in and you need to repair something because it, it's broken, maybe you had a, a burst water pipe or um, somebody's kicked the back door in and you need to replace the door, then those are repairs and maintenance because you're upkeeping the property while somebody is in there. Um, it's really important because a lot of people buy their first house as, as derelict and they're having to, to do it up as an investment. Um, so it, it's quite important to realize that those initial costs that you're putting into it aren't necessarily going to have any impact on your tax liability and you can't offset them against the income from the house rental um, until you sell the property, which could be 20 years down the line. That's why it's so important to keep those receipts to one side because what we're doing is we're, we're taking the price that you've paid for the property plus the purchase cost ease from the solicitors, et cetera, um, then you've got the improvement costs. Then you've got the sale costs of when you come to sell it. Um, then you've got all of the commissions from the estate agents, et cetera. And then we add all that together and take it away from your selling costs. And that gives you the profit that you've made on that property. Now that profit is taxed under capital gains, which is different to what you're taxed on year by year when you receive the rental which is actually income tax that you're being uh, charged on. Now, 
The difference between the two is there's different allowances for both income tax and capital gains tax. So last year, um, if you sold some assets, uh, you had a, 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 the exact figure gets away from it, but I think it was £12,400 allowance that you didn't have to pay any money on any capital gains when you disposed of them. Um, this year that reduced down to 6,000 and next year that's reducing down to 3,000. So HMRC has cut the capital gains allowance over the next couple of years. It's going to affect people that generally rent a property out and your primary residence, i.e. your main house, that's free of taxation. Uh, apart from stamp duty, which is again, a slightly different tax, um, when you've that's got the main bigger. residence, yeah. Um, when you've got your main residence, the house that you live in, if you sell that house and you haven't used it for, for business purposes, and that's quite key for a lot of our listeners because a lot of our, our, our boarders, our dog walkers, some of our groomers all use their house. It can't be used or you shouldn't use it for 100% of business. So if there's a specific room in your house that you use, use it for a different purpose for some part of the time. Don't ever claim 100% on that. Because once you do that, that room becomes liable to capital gains tax because it's no longer protected by your primary residence relief. Um, so if, if for argument's sake, you wasn't using the house for, for business purposes, you sell your main house, there's no taxation to pay on it um, because it's protected with primary residence relief. If you buy a second house um, and you move from your main house into your new second house and you rent out your your old home, um, your primary residence release moves with you into your new home. So you can only have one primary residence at any one time. There are a couple of allowances that we can claim and, and we can claim for the last nine months that you own the property before you sell it to offset some more of the taxes. So again, this is where an accountant comes into play, certainly around properties because it's there are allowances there that will help reduce the capital gains tax that's payable on the sale of a property. Um, but again, it's only applicable if you have two properties, i.e. your main residence and and another. Um, so we talked a little bit about um, the doing the house up. And Use your cinema analogy. Yeah, the cinema analogy. This is what Lee was explaining to me because when I can't remember what it was, and I said, you know, in this being a liable expense, he's like, no, I was like, what? Um, and it didn't make sense. But then when you use this analogy, it really, it sort of then makes sense. So so the one I only come back to is, is buying a cinema. If you buy a cinema that's ready to go and you can show films in it and you can get your first paying customer through the door sat in a seat watching a film, any expense incurred maintaining and upkeeping that building from that point on is fully allowable. If you bought a derelict cinema where you had to refurbish all the seats, you had to change the bulbs in the projectors, new screens, and, and to get it ready in order to show your first film, none of those expenses can be offset against your taxes because they are capital in nature. They are they are repairing the asset. They are getting the asset ready for it to do its job. Um, and that's the same with a property. If you buy a derelict property that's not in a rentable state, so you might find that you have the local council come around um, and that you, you have to get things signed off. You may have to redo some electrics. And so electric moody wine. Yes. 
So if if your electrics aren't up to code and you don't have somebody living in your building um, and you have to do that before they move in, that's not an allowable cost because it's preparing the building ready to do its job, i.e. make you money. So that cost would, would sit with the, with the premises until you come to sell it. And that's when you get the relief for spending that money. Um, that's pretty much rent in nutshell. Um, there are allowable costs with, with renting a property. Um, so for argument's sake, some of the oddball ones, if you travel backwards and forwards to the property, because you're having to do maintenance, you're having to do uh, rental checks, that is an allowable cost. You can claim the mileage um, so that can go through the business. Um, if you clean, you can claim cleaning costs. If you have um, um, a, like a rental agent that, that manages the rent and, and looks after the tenants, their management fees are all allowable. Now, the one the one big thing that, that, and the changes that have happened in the last couple of years is the allowable cost of the mortgage interest. So previously, that is a good thing. Because people put that through without yeah. realizing that they can't. Yeah. So previously, the mortgage interest was an allowable expense. So if you were a higher rate taxpayer, that mortgage interest would give you 40% tax relief on the mortgage interest itself. HMRC slowly phased it out over a period of four years, I believe. And now the mortgage interest has to be separated out and put into a separate section on the tax return. It, and it doesn't matter whether or not you're a higher or lower rate taxpayer, you will only receive 20% tax relief on the mortgage interest itself. Um, so it no longer goes by your, your your the tax that you pay becomes irrelevant it is now only 20% relief. So it's restricted at 20%. Um, and, and and it's the interest that we're talking only, not the cost of the mortgage itself. So when you do your tax return, you need to make sure that you have the, the, the interest that you've paid on the mortgage for that tax year. And that's the allowable expense bit rather than the repayment of the mortgage. Which goes back to the issue with the Carl Van finance payments where people put the the finance payments through when they should, or the loan payments, sorry, when they shouldn't. And the same with the mortgage um, the mortgage payments. People put the full mortgage payment through and go, oh, I'm fine. And you're like, maybe not. <laughs> um, what about, so I'm guessing, I'm just trying to think what we generally come up with. I mean, we don't really get any obscure ones. It's more just, um, I guess, because I, I was, doing something else. Sorry, I didn't, I missed the last bit. Have you explained the like for like thing? Not yet. So that's a good, that's okay. a good one. Because so, I, go go on. on, let you do it. No, I was going to say, if someone has like apply, I mean, I'm not very good with DIY, apply wood, kitchen bench or whatever it is, chipboard, whatever. They can't then replace it with like a marble worktop. Yeah. So marble worktop. So this is this goes back to whether or not this is a repair or whether it's it's capital in nature, whether you're improving the, the 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 property. So the general rule of when you're having to replace an item and whether or not it is classed as a repair to the building, it is whether or not the item is like for like. So for instance, if you were replacing a boiler, 
a gas boiler for argument's sake because it's broke you will replace that boiler like for like with another gas boiler. The gas boiler, that your new gas boiler, yes, it will be more modern. Um, it may have more features. Um, it could be more energy efficient. But the problem is, is you can't get a like for like gas boiler because the one that you're taking out will no longer be up to standard. And quite simply, they don't do those boilers anymore. So you have no option but to get a newer boiler put in the, the property. So in that case, that is a repair and an allowable expense. If you've got single glazed windows and you change those single glazed windows and upgrade them to double glazing, that is a upgrade and it's not an allowable expense. That expense goes with the property and you receive the relief at the end when you sell the property. And the reason being is because you could have replaced the glass like for like with, with other single glazing. Now, doesn't make sense because if you can move to double glazing, you know, it's more energy efficient. It will keep more of the heat in. It will reduce your, your energy bills. Um, you get different colors of it. A lot of the the, 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 the secondary glazing goes behind the original windows. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of pros with replacing the windows. The problem is it is a clear upgrade. They are no longer like for like windows. It is a, it is a, a blatant upgrade of the property. And therefore that cost is kept with the property until you sell it and that's when you receive the tax relief. Um, we, we get asked as well, sometimes people like put furnishings in the property. So you might find that um, your initial furnishings that you put in isn't an allowable expense. So if you put a sofa in, a, um, a cooker, um, anything along those lines, you can replace them at, as an allowable expense, but you can't claim them initially as as an allowable expense. So just be mindful of that. Um, and, and that's where a furnished holiday let is completely different because you can buy those things initially for a furnished holiday let. Um, they, they, again, would be classed as assets. And like the other week when we were speaking about pools and the balances, <laughs> that's where they would sit in the tax return. Um, so again, worth a listen if you miss that one. So basically, just as complicated as doing any other tax return. There's yeah, do's and don'ts. Yeah, pretty much. There's do's and don'ts again, guys. And it's this is what I mean. It, it is really important, um, especially with properties, because they're just as complex, probably not more complex, um, than doing something else. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, something's happened. Ah! Oh, no, you're all right. We're still live. Oh, <laughs> So it just opt up and start playing again. I could hear you talking in my ear. Um, yes, so please just get some help if you do um, have a holiday let or you rent out a house or a flat uh, or you've got an HMO maybe, who knows, um, because you need to get it right. I noticed on uh, when you do the property bit, there is a button or a box that says, do you use cash basis or traditional basis? Because that's important as well, isn't it, when you're filling in your own... It, it is. And generally speaking, we when we tell people that we will do sole trade sites, we always say use the accrual basis of accounting. When it comes to property, we always say use the cash accounting basis. Um, and it's, it's because it changes the time when you are waiting to receive your rent and when you've had to pay for expenses. Generally, as a landlord, 
you don't have supplier accounts with with places. So when you have the invoices, the title which you pay for the goods for the property. Now, when it comes to rent, if you based it on the the accruals basis, you might give your client or your 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 tenant um, a rental agreement that says that the rent is due on the first of every month. And and in essence, what you're doing is you're you're invoicing them on the first of every month for their rent. If they haven't paid you, and maybe they haven't paid you for three, four, five months towards the end of the tax year, and they're still in the property, on the accruals basis, you'll have to pay tax on that income. Whereas if it's cash basis, we only count the income once you've received it into your bank account. Um, so it's it's more beneficial for you as a landlord to be on on that cash basis scheme than it would be accruals. And again, different you can have the cash basis and the accruals basis on the accounts. You can do that on that as well. Um, so it really depends on the type of business that you are. Uh, now, I've mentioned that, but um, so a sole trader with income over 85000 needs to register for that. However, a landlord um, is that, that has houses, that has domestic tenants, is exempt from that. And if you run a business where you have a sole trade and a property business and you run both of those from one premises and you have things in common that are used for both businesses, we have to look at what's called partial exemption for that. Now, that is a nightmare. Um, so it's just something to be... So how come they don't have to pay it back? Oh, right, that's ridiculous. So what the, the argument is, is that you shouldn't charge um, a, a domestic person that on services, uh, certainly on, on, on renting your house. But on the flip side, if you can't charge VAT for supplies, you can't claim the VAT back on purchases intended for exempt supplies of income. So that's where the partial exemption comes in, because if it's de minimis... Well, you've lost everyone. Yeah, I know, that's it. Yeah, yeah. but it's in a nutshell. Guys, because he's gone off on these weird tangents. I want and, uh, to be <laughs> and and move on to what on earth is legal on about. So I'm going to stop him in his tracks there because I feel like if he's lost me, he's lost you. So <laughs> uh, we do have a question, which weirdly or funnily enough okay. is uh, not related to what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> can I put stuff like stone chippings and bark down as an expense using the dog's outdoor area? Um, no, in a nutshell, <laughs> you're gonna say that, yeah. I knew no. you're gonna say that, yeah. And, and here's my trade of thought behind it it's because you're you're improving your property. I understand that you use it for business, but it's not a commercial premises in the sense that you're you're landscaping your garden and it's to make life easier rather than for the use of the business. And because you live at the premises. You have to take that into account as well. Now, what you could do is you could pay for the initial stuff to be put down. And then if you have to repair and maintain the property after, because maybe the 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 the, the, the bark needs, you know, topped up or the stone need topped up because you, you collected them with, with when you're doing the pool patrol, etc. Um, then a proportion of the repairs would be allowable, but the initial cost of transferring 
and changing and landscaping wouldn't because that's you changing your house rather than you having a commercial premises and getting the commercial premises ready for um, allowing the the, 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 the the trade. And if you think about what we've just said about the, the, the property side, the rental property, your house is almost exactly the same. You're, you're getting it ready and you're changing your house so it's going to be worth more when you come to sell it later down the line. It's just unfortunately when you don't pay tax on it so you don't get the benefit of adding expenses that you've done to your house. And it's the same as if you built an extension in order to house the dogs at the mm-hmm. house. That's not the extension is not an allowable expense either. You can't put that through. So that be the same then if someone started dog boarding at their house and changed their grass from normal grass to artificial grass, that would be a no. But if they then yeah, and they had to repair the artificial grass, that would be a yes. The repair would be allowed because then the the, yeah. the artificial grass was damaged in the course of the business, whereas you changing the grass initially was you landscaping your house and making your house, I'm not going to say better, but it it's that improvement of the initial house that makes it easier for your business. But it's it's that business personal use which really comes into play there. Okay, okay. Right. I hope I just like stopped you with it. Someone's put absolutely lost. So I'm glad that I stopped you. <laughs> um we just thought, you know, a lot of people do have property these days. So it was um a good topic to, to talk to you guys about. Obviously if you're still a bit confused after that help then you can give us a shout. Um but I hope that's answered some basic questions around properties and what you can put through and what you can't. Um, so yeah, if you've got a property, think about it, then have a listen, um, and let us know if you've got any questions. Um, I've just been sort of skimming down, uh, some questions in the group and there was one two days ago about the car and van thing. Um, I took a look, I took a loan out to buy a van when I put the full amount of the loan money paid the van dealership through my tax return in one go when I put monthly payments. Ah! <laughs> Um, Gemma, 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 please listen to our um, last podcast, which is based on all of that. I think there was quite a few um, answers on that. Um, I've put my monthly payments. I'm no expert, but it seemed the sensible thing to do. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No! Oh no! You only just read it and you see all the comments and you think, "Oh no!" Put your monthly payment to each year for the tax year until it's paid off. No, <laughs> I'm just going to type this. We still I'll come back to that one. I'm just literally putting it all loads of those on the bottom, um, and I'll go back to that for the podcast. Um, well, this is a good one from Christmas Zoo. Uh, my business ban was written off and I've just received the payout. How do I categorise this on free agent? Oh, with great difficulty. <laughs> oh, and there's the answer to that one. So that really depends on how you classified the van to start with because the van had to have been put in free agent as an asset and free agent would have been doing its thing in the background, depreciating the asset over the last couple of years. When you receive the payout from the uh, insurance company, you classify that as the sale of assets, so a disposal of the asset, 
and free agent will do the calculations for you. But if it but, wasn't put in free agent, there is a big but. Depending on how you file your tax return, if that's outside of free agent and capital allowances were claimed on the van originally, you will have to fill in the separate section on the tax return under the annual investment allowance for disposal of asset. And you need to put the disposal proceeds, which is the money that you received for the van, in that section because you'll be taxed on the, on the, on the disposal of the van. But you then should be able to offset that with the purchase of the new van using the annual investment allowance, which is why you get an accountant. Yes. It, it, so I think you shouldn't even start with that. Just get an accountant to do it. Um, a good one from Steph. How detailed do your books need to be? Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> my answer to that is years time, will you be able to look at that and understand it and know what your sales were for argument's sake. So if you've just grouped the sales together and shoved in set July sales, 10 grand. If you got inspected by HMRC and they can go back as far as 20 years if they find something in the first couple of years that they're looking for. So even though you've only got to keep records for seven, they can go back as far as 20. So my advice would be keep them as detailed as possible so that at a glance, you know exactly what it was. And in, in multiple years time, you'll be able to look back to it and say, yeah, okay, I understand. So I would have the date, a reference of either the client name and the dog's name and the amount that you received. Um, if it's an expense or a purchase, I'd have the date, the place where you bought it from, what it was that you physically bought and the amount as a minimum. Because they will, if they start checking, then they yeah. won't stop. And then it's an uncomfortable conversation. The thing is, like we we've got because we've got we've got hundreds of clients now. So and and from sole traders to partnerships to limited companies. So we we're dealing a lot more with HMRC. We've got an VAT investigation going on at the moment. Oh, sorry, that's not a VAT investigation. We've got a VAT compliance check going on at the moment, which is where they go. Let's just have a little look and see what we can find. Um, and one of the things that they're asking for is bank statements. So they want to see that the the money that we're saying that we've received, the money that we're saying that we've paid, matches that on the bank statements. And even if um, they've already said to us, we know that um, you might have an invoice that might not be paid for two or three months, but we want the bank statement showing where all those incomes come in. And you might also have invoices that are paid um, in two or three monthly installments. Now, imagine that you use Klarna, um, and a couple of the others where you can pay for things over multiple payments. Uh, or maybe- I tried that and it didn't work. <laughs> and I got bored of trying it, so just gave up. So imagine you've got multiple Klarna's because you've bought multiple things and you've spread them over multiple months and all those months interlock and, and you know cross over. You need enough information in your records to show which payment to Klarna was for which item. Because if HMRC question it, you need to go back confidently and say that payment was for that item. So that should answer your question of how much detail that you need to put in and keep your records as. Fabulous. Don't throw your receipts away. No. Unless you've got digital software that allows you to take photographs. Like zero. Like zero. 
like Sandwich, which is our favorite. Tip with the dead, don't use QuickBooks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love this free agent today as well. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, everyone sort of goes on about software and it is going to be um, compulsory in a couple of years' time. Uh, going massively off tangent there, but never mind. Um, so if you're thinking about software, then now's the time to have a try with a couple because it is going to be compulsory uh, in a couple of years' time. Whether they change that date again for the third time, who knows? But I have a feeling maybe not. So just keep uh, an eye out. Get yourselves on some software because that will be compulsory and you'll have to use it. Um, and that's how you'll submit tax returns in the future is through the software. Um, I'll imagine that they probably put their prices up of their software as well. Uh, near the we time. had a price, um, a price rise today through for uh, one of them. Today we Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's <laughs> So they go, you know, they do this where they're like, oh, here's some discounts for your client. And then six months later, it's like, oh, we'll put your prices up. So now all your discounts are void. Um, but yes, there we go. Um, right, we're going to call it a day for this afternoon. I hope you found that helpful. Uh, we'll probably do one more live next Wednesday um, and then that'll probably be it for December, obviously, because we're so busy. Um, we'll probably have a couple of week break and then we will be back in January. Uh, obviously, the group, we still monitor the group, um, so we will comment on there if any wrong answers are being given, i.e. the ban situation. Um, so anyway, keep putting your questions in, get your records done, get your tax returns submitted by the 31st. Don't be late, otherwise you will get fined. Um, and if you decide you want help with your 23-24 tax return, uh, then you can give us uh, a ring or drop us an email. We can put you on the waiting list. Um, but unfortunately, we're not taking on any more 22, 23 clients um, because we've got too much to do until January. So you might have to wait if you did want to come on board. Uh, but any questions, let us know. Drop us an email or give us uh, a call and we will catch up with you guys next week. Uh, I'm not sure what topic we'll do next week, but we'll make it fun um, and less technical if, if we can. Because <laughs> we've done a couple quite sort of like in-depth ones important but very dull topics <laughs> so we'll try and think of an exciting topic for next week um and maybe even do like a little christmas quiz or a little christmas giveaway like we did last year so uh keep your eyes peeled for that and we will see you all next week uh have a good week if we don't see you before then have a good christmas and we'll chat to you soon take care take care bye bye Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed my podcast, don't forget to subscribe for me. And if you want to speak to me, please visit my website at www.petaccountant.co.uk. And if you'd like to join my Facebook group, which is full of like-minded pet professionals, then search Accounting for Pet Professionals in Facebook and I will see you there.